now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to help equip you. We're going to help you to understand not only the signs of the times and how they apply to the present-day realities and challenges that we live in, but we are going to open up the truth and the power of God's Word, I hope and pray, on a level that perhaps you've never encountered before in terms of the Word of God's ability to not only renew your mind, but the Word of God's ability to act as a prophetic word, but not just a prophetic word, God's prophetic word. So I want to take a look at some of these prophecies in the book of Revelation and then connect them, apply them to the everyday reality that we live in. You know, it's, it's, it's strange. This, this goes back uh, quite a while. Maybe some of you remember the, the rock group, uh, Talking, talk, was it Talking Heads? Yeah, I think it was Talking Heads. And Talking Heads, uh, the lead singer was very, uh, you know, avant-garde, very out there and creative. And in this Talking Heads song, and I almost feel like laughing because it was so absurd, he, uh, he had some lyrics that went something like this. It's, this is a paraphrase. And when there was a drum beat, and then he would say, you may ask yourself, what am I doing here? You may ask yourself, is this my house? You may ask yourself, is this my wife? And, and it was done with almost a tongue-in-cheek absurdity. Maybe some of you uh, remember the song. It was a hit song at its time. But he was really asking the questions, the, the big questions about life. Of course, he had he didn't have any answers, but at least at least he asked the questions. Now, because time flies and time seems to accelerate, the more you are alive, the faster time seems to accelerate. I don't know why that is, but that's the way it is. So I was talking to a, a gentleman, a guy, at a, a social function not too long ago. And uh, we were talking about all kinds of things. And I, I made, oh, I was talking about that uh, when I used to do heavy-duty secular television, like uh, when I did the Fox News Network and the Fox Business Channel and uh, the History Channel and uh, CNN. This is going back before all those uh, cable news networks became essentially the cartoon channels. When I was on them, and this was, you know, a couple of decades ago, this is before they went completely insane. And now that's worse than insane. They have imploded. They've intellectually imploded. They don't even pretend to offer news analysis and journalism. They um, have succumbed to the Pharaoh's whip of their globalist owners, and they, and they, spout out propaganda, lies, and mythologies. I don't trust them. In fact, in the last number of years, I don't even watch them. I, I only go now to alternative media. And maybe I'll take a look at the front page of some uh, secular mainstream social media. I'll, just, I, I'll glance at it. But I can't read it because it's such convoluted stupidity that it actually annoys me. So I was talking to this guy, and. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I talked about how fast time was moving along. And uh, I talked about the fact we were talking about haircuts for some reason. And he, he was telling me how impossible it was to get a decent haircut 
in a particular area. And I said, I agree with you. It's not like me and him were like in this mutual vanity trip. No, that's not what this was about. It, it was just two guys who were talking about all kinds of stuff. But the, the, the topic of where do you get a decent haircut around here came up. And I said, you know, when I used to do a lot of the uh, uh, big secular news shows and stuff, I said, I couldn't get a haircut in anywhere near where I lived. I would have to drive into Beverly Hills. Not, not, it wasn't vanity. It's just that you had to have a professional haircut, a professional visual presentation. Because if you did not have a professional visual presentation, like a haircut, uh, a suit, a tie, you know, and you didn't look like you have your act together, they wouldn't invite you back on because you, you're, you're, you were in the big leagues. You were in the, at that time, it was the equivalent of being in the Olympics of cable news network. So you had to be, you had to know your stuff, which I did because I studied my posterior off for days at a time before I'd make an appearance. And you'd, ha you'd have to be visually on top of your game. So I told him I used to have to drive all the way into Beverly Hills. Uh, my wife at that time was an actress. This is going back decades. And so uh, in Beverly Hills, there was this one guy. He, he didn't have the fanciest exterior uh, shop uh, in Beverly Hills. His shop was in, in, in the middle of Beverly Hills, but only like key Beverly Hills insiders in the entertainment business and stuff. They knew about him and they were his regular customers. So. But the, but, but the unspoken rule was that when you, when you went to his salon, uh, that if a celebrity came in or some kind of big shot came in, the, the social custom of L.A. and Hollywood and stuff like that is, is that you don't stare at them. You don't you know, gawk at them like a tourist. You don't walk up to them and say, can I have your autograph? These are like massive social no-nos. You almost pretend they're invisible. And if you interact, it, you, you interact, but you almost play a game of like, you know, I, I, you're just a regular person. I don't, I don't know that you're famous, even though you do know that the person's famous. So he had just finished with my haircut. And this guy was intense because we got into like these wild conversations, which you could hear the bones rattle. You could literally hear, hear the bones rattle of all the liberals in the salon when he and I began to really talk about what they call conspiracy theories. And for some reason, I mean, he was financially uh, doing very well. He didn't seem to care what we talked about. So as I'm leaving my seat, a big, tall guy sits down. And I didn't catch his face at first, but somebody whispered next to me so, so he couldn't hear it. They go, that's Peter Fonda. And I, you know, glanced at him via looking in my mirror. And as he slid into his seat, and then since my haircut was over, they began on Peter Fonda's haircut. And uh, so anyway, I brought that story up to this guy I was talking to. And, you know, he, he's not like, like a teenager or anything like that. I would have thought he knew who Peter Fonda was, because maybe in your generation, like my generation, Peter Fonda for quite a while, the, the brother of Jane Fonda, uh, the actress, activist. Peter Fonda was like a household name. He was a, in the counterculture at least, he was a, stup a super, not a stupor a, a star. Sorry about that. It's pretty insulting, isn't it, to call Peter Fonda a stupor star. But he was a superstar in the correct pronunciation of the word. And uh, why was he a superstar? Because he was one of the 
heads of the counterculture. And when I was growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens, I was like captivated by this guy. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine back then. He tried to commit suicide in, in the bathtub standing up. See, back then that would make you famous. As stupid as an insane uh, an act as that would be, he, he literally fell on his sword. And it was a long military sword. That, that was uh, an heirloom that was passed down through the generations of the Fonda family. And so he, in, a, in a fit of despair, he tried to commit suicide. So somehow he, he fell on his sword with the sword plunging into his chest. And I don't know what happened afterwards, except that he was rushed to the hospital and had stitches. And somehow he survived and he was completely uh, okay. And back then, I mean, people bragged about that. It was like a, a badge of honor. But but this guy that I was talking to had no idea. And I was shocked. I'm not always shocked, but I was shocked that he didn't know who Peter Fonda was. And then I then I commented to him, and I realized it's 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 the fact that time passes by so quickly. You know, I, by now in my life, I'm used to if I talk to a cashier or whatever, I might mention something because I I, I usually talk to, to people in a chatty kind of way. I try to try to be friendly, but many times I'll I'll talk to the cashier and I'll mention cashiers. I'll mention the Beatles and they go, "Who are the Beatles?" Or like this guy said, who's Peter Fonda? And I said, well, Peter Fonda, you know Peter Fonda. He was the star of that movie, uh, Easy Rider. And Easy Rider was that classic uh, 70s counterculture film that starred Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson. And then there was one other, oh, Peter Hopper, Peter Hopper, one other big superstar. And it was, it was the emblematic film of the counterculture in the 70s because Peter Fonda wore that big American flag on his blue jean t-shirt in the, in the film Easy Rider. Jack Nicholson played a comedic drunk. They were taking LSD and stuff as they were traveling across the, uh, the United States in their Harley Davidson motorcycles. And then uh, they were driving somewhere in, in the South or whatever, and uh, they were blown away, you know, with a shotgun or something. And that was the end of the movie. So the point was, it's often not intending to. I'll, I'll name the name of a group, a person, a star, a movie, or something, and 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 if depending on what age category they're in. Now I've kind of learned, kind of learned how to gauge my conversation to the age category of the person I'm talking to. But I find that people that that are relatively mature in age don't know the rock groups. The movie stars, the hit films, the books, or any of the stuff that was that probably a large percentage of you in the listening audience know. In any case, what was what was odd about this is that uh, a number of months a number of months later, after I met Peter Fonda at a friend's hair salon, uh, he issued this. He began to issue these weird texts, and. Uh, about how he and his family, he openly defied, Peter Fonda openly defied Hollywood, the Hollywood system. He openly defied President Obama. And he, he, he said to President Obama that, you know, we're not going to put up with your nonsense. So this is something like what he said. And that if we have to, we're going to retreat to places like Wyoming. And he had a big 
a state and giant, you know, log cabin type of a place high up in the mountains of Wyoming, as a number of other people did. And he had motorcycles there. And then, and then he brags that you can come and get us. But we are something like, as he said, we're, but we're armed to the teeth. So he was essentially calling for a revolution and naming the president of the United States at the time, President Obama. And this was the former, one of the big shots, one of the big cultural hero leaders of uh, the counterculture. And I'm going, wow, because for years you just hear him make these radically liberal statements that would come out every once in a while from Peter Fonda's mouth. And now the guy is like, he's become a patriot survivalist, and then he starts quoting the Constitution and everything else. And it was a pretty wild change. In any case, tragically, I don't know, it was a half a year after that or a year after that, he mysteriously dies. Now, I don't know how he died. I'm not, I'm not um, casting any aspersions on how he died. But the point is, he died. And, and this, this fast-moving train that we're on called life, it seems that time accelerates. And you've probably discovered that, too. You're talking to somebody. You mention a group, an actor, a movie, or an actress, and they look at you like you're crazy. Anyway. My point is, long-winded or not, my point is is that it's my sense that time has, at least experientially, maybe not on the level of physics, I don't know, but at least experientially, time is moving faster and faster and faster, which leads me to believe uh, that we are approaching the end of time or the end of the age. Now, I want to read something to you from the book of Revelation. And, and I'm going to try to incorporate in the Paul McGuire Report, as we do news analysis, as we do scientific analysis, as we do geopolitical political analysis, as we do economic analysis, globalism analysis, et cetera, et cetera. I want to continue to interlock that with the Bible, a biblical worldview. And what I want to emphasize, emphasize is I want to connect the Bible to reality on every level of life, but I want to do it now with an increased velocity, because now is the time, and I'm I'm shooting straight from my heart, and I'm talking to you right now. Now is the time to take a stand in the power of the Spirit, in the light of God, and take a stand as we are anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now is the time to take that stand. Why? Because the door of that opportunity you hear what I'm saying to you? The door of that opportunity is going to close at some point in the future. Now, before you panic or I panic or we settle into some kind of somber fatalism, I want to add something that the Lord has instilled in my heart for many, many decades. And I haven't backed off on this truth for decades despite the fact that I've been vilified, attacked, challenged, and fought on every inch of this spiritual territory. Well, I don't give a you-know-what, because I have studied the Bible intensively for countless years, and there is no question in my mind from studying the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that nowhere in the Bible is fatalism preached as a doctrine. Now, 
it is true, sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, which means the, the absolute rulership of God in all things, that that is a sovereign truth of the Word of God. But let us not, let's rightly divide the Word of God, and let us not confuse the difference between the sovereignty of God and succumbing to the spiritual era slash apostasy of fatalism. Fatalism is hopelessness. Fatalism uh, denies the reality and the power of God. And that's not, that's not going to save anybody. That's not going to empower you to, to be victorious. It's a counterproductive spiritual force, which ultimately has its roots in satanic deception, and it has its roots in spiritual deception. And it is a weaponized false theology that has been created by Satan to take out the body of Christ before the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. You understand what I'm saying? I mean this with all my heart. So let us hear what the word of the Lord is saying to us in this hour, wherever you're listening to the Paul McGuire report from, whatever nation, uh, whatever continent, whatever state, wherever you are, the Lord God Almighty, he did Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, let us remind ourselves, he has not fallen like some buffoon off of his throne. Jesus Christ sits on the throne room of God because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And because he is King of kings and Lord of lords, he is the rightful sovereign ruler of all that there is and of all of planet Earth. And we need to get that stitched firmly and built firmly in the foundation of our hearts and minds. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Be sure today, do it today, do it now. Visit paulmcguire.us. Grab yourself some of the books that I have discounted for you at a super low price and assemble a library. Some of you think, oh, digital this and digital that, and isn't that great? Hey, hey, it is great. It does a lot of good things. But let me tell you something. The technology exists right now for the globalist elite and the technology that they have at their disposal right now. They have the technology with the pressing of a single button. They could strip and delete all of the contents of your uh, computer and hard drives and soft drives and memories and clouds. They could erase every Christian statement. Every Christian book could be erased. Every Bible could be erased that exists in digital form. In other words, what I'm telling you, and some of you always have a problem with what I say, because you know why? And I don't mean to pick on you. You're like 30 years at least, probably 40 in your conceptual, intellectual, mental understanding of how far we have come with technology. You are 40 years behind. You're still conceiving and conceptualizing things like AI, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, genetics, DNA modification, uh, uh, computer uh, abilities. You're still conceptualizing all of those things as if we were 40 years in the past. Well, I hate to break it to you, but during the last 40 years, there has been more, more, more than a whirlwind of a revolution of technology of, of, of cybernetic mechanisms, of artificial intelligence, 
of androids, robotics, clones, and, and many other things that integrate with quantum physics, etc. So the concept and the viability of a kill switch that would go into every computer, every hard drive, every soft drive, every laptop, and anything that has a digital memory system, every satellite, every cell phone, within seconds or minutes, anything with a Judeo-Christian biblical content could disappear electronically. With, with the pressing of a button, you could erase all memory that has to do with the Bible, actual entire Bibles of every version, Christian books could all be erased. And then a generation would be raised entirely on the propaganda, the social engineering, the scientific mind control of the globalist or Luciferian elite. Because the past would have been literally wiped out electronically. Think about that. A wiped out past. And so everybody starts with like an empty head that can be programmed, not by your parents' input. They hate, they hate parents. They hate families. Not by a biblical input. Not by a Judeo-Christian input. But by the slave-like programming of the globalist Luciferian elite. This is what we're up against. So we either take a stand now in the power of the Holy Spirit, renewing our minds with the Word of God. We either stand now, or I promise you, tomorrow, you will be laying prostrate on your belly, worshiping the beast system and the Antichrist, begging for your own personalized nanochip implant or your own personalized microchip implant or DNA implant. So you either stand now in the power of God and shine the light of Jesus Christ while it can still be shined, or get ready to surrender and beg for your life before being hauled off into some kind of re-education camp. And if you think re-education camps are a conspiracy theory, wake up, smell the coffee, and get educated. Read my books like A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 or 2. Read my books like Conquering the Matrix and the other ones, because they talk about, they document the existence of these re-education camps. In fact, I'm thinking about re-releasing it. It was one of the first three-part DVD uh, series I ever did. Uh, it's it, people. It sold like gangbusters. It sold like a comet streaking through the sky. The name of it was called American Dictatorship, and I have actual uh, interviews, video interviews in that series. Uh, that show an FBI agent, or, or an agent from some intelligence agency, I'm sure he was an FBI agent, and he had infiltrated a meeting of the radical weather underground. And they began to, he, he asked questions, and, and other of these revolutionary radicals asked questions, and they talked in their secret meeting openly about not only the building of re-education camps secretly across America, but how they would re-educate, which is a fancy term for brainwashing, uh, you know, tens and tens of millions of Americans to go along with their socialist Marxist program. And you say, well, I don't believe that. The reason you don't believe that is because you're stupid, okay? Let's, let's just cut to the chase. You're stupid, and I'm not insulting you, and I'm not being, not, I'm not, not being a Christian by telling you you're stupid, because I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. You say, well, where's the love in calling me stupid? 
here's where the love is. You're asleep. You're sogging the ballistic. You're asleep. So if I just talk to you like a normal person and ignore the fact that you're asleep, I'm going to be talking to the equivalent of a human clone, somebody in zombie land. So if I really love you and I really want to speak the truth in love, then I'm going to have to use the shock doctrine. I'm going to have to use the shock technique, you know, like dumping a, a bucket of cold water on your head. So I do that verbally. I call you stupid. I know you don't like it. It arouses your hatred. But guess what it, it accomplishes simultaneously? It, your, your inner biological man or woman, while listening to me, gets fired up with like an adrenaline. And the next thing you know, you're like jolted awake, jolted out of your stupor. And now you've kind of woken up. And now I'm able to deliver the truth to you. And now you're able to receive it. So in the final analysis, I ask you this question. By calling you stupid, once we both understand the parameters of why I'm calling you stupid, by calling you stupid, am I violating or fulfilling the biblical commandment to speak the truth in love? Let me put it this way. If, if we were in a house or a building or whatever, and it suddenly, I, suddenly it caught fire, and large flames were, were you know, ripping up a flammable area, and the flames were moving towards us, but I noticed the flames, and you and some other people did not notice the flames. And I realized that the, the speed by which the flames were coming towards us, um, we would all potentially suffocate from the smoke and die. Now, I realize we have only minutes to get out of this burning structure. So what do I do if, if I really love my neighbor as myself? What do I do? Am I just all calm and sedated and say things like, well, just think positive, just have positive thoughts? That's the stupidest game plan in the world. In the world, if you're, if you're trapped in a burning building and it's going to rather quickly collapse upon you. No, I do something that will motivate you, that will wake you up as fast as I possibly can. I say something that will wake you up, that will jolt you into alertness. So you will recognize the fact that you're in mortal danger, the building's burning down, the flames are bellowing upwards, and, and the thick smoke is coming out from under the crack of the bottom of the door. And we better get the you-know-what out of this place, or we're all going to die. So again, I ask you, in terms of overall analysis, which would, which would adhere to the biblical commandment to speak the truth in love? Being all sweet and cutesy and building up your self-image while the building is burning down? or taking an aggressive frontal assault psychological action, like yelling at you if I have to, in order to make you wake up, come alive, so that your life, your children's life, can be spared. Which is it? You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, I want to dig into the book of Revelation. Uh, and connect the book of Revelation to what's happening now, what's going to happen in the future, and we'll touch on what has happened in the past. Now, there's a lot of people who teach on Revelation, and with running the risk of bragging, you have to answer the question that people inevitably ask you, which is, what qualifies you to teach the Bible? What qualifies you, for example, me, Paul McGuire, what qualifies you to teach the book of Revelation? 
and I'm not going to get into a big thing about it. I've been studying it for a lifetime, but essentially, I am a doctor of eschatology or a professor of eschatology. Eschatology is the study of Bible prophecy, and I was an adjunct professor at the King's College and Seminary, founded by Dr. Jack Hayford uh, in Van Nuys, California, where I taught as a professor Bible prophecy or eschatology, Israel and Bible prophecy. I taught on the church and other biblical subjects, but my main area, my number one area of focus was being a doctor of eschatology or Bible prophecy. So that's just a little nutshell of my qualifications. And in that, and in those studies, teaching all those classes, giving all those seminaries, ministering to all those churches for decades, and my work and my teaching and my ministry was endorsed highly uh, by the late Dr. Jack Hayford, one of the most respected pastors in America. Uh, my, my teaching and the, the method and the, my approach to the book of Revelation I was endorsed by everybody. Well, I'm not going to name them. You name them. Uh, many of them are going on to be with the Lord, but you name them. Uh, I was either ministering at their churches or uh, friends with them, or they were endorsing my ministry. And uh, I'll just say the name. If you want to figure out all the names, just go to the website, paulmcguire.us. And in the bio, it'll list uh, lots of names, lots of names that you Okay, so the book of Revelation is also called the book of the Apocalypse. And it speaks, by the way, of the time that we're in um, as never before. And there's the temptation to become overwhelmed with all that's going on right now. And the book of Revelation, among other books, gives you uh, a heads up as to what is going to be happening. Now, as many of you know, the book of Revelation was written by, and it came from a vision given to the Apostle John. And the Apostle John was a prisoner uh, on the isle uh, or remote island of Patmos for many years of hard labor. Now, can you imagine that? He's one of the great apostles of the church. And then, you know, I guess he would expect some kind of... Uh, acclaim, applause, or whatever, but instead the guy is, you know, breaking rocks or whatever the heck he's doing uh, on this island of Patmos where he receives a supernatural vision from God of the end times. And um, John wrote the book of Revelation uh, that he had of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he focused in on the intense spiritual warfare that would face the church uh, and that the world would face in the last days. So guess where we are now with the Great Reset, with the Luciferian elite, with the globalist elite? Where we are is where the uh, Apostle John said we would be. And so he wrote the book of Revelation supernaturally, and the book of Revelation outlines this intense spiritual warfare that the church and all true believers in Jesus Christ uh, would encounter before Jesus Christ's ultimate victory over the enemy, Satan or Lucifer. And John's revelation is given to us 
through the Word of God and in the book of Revelation, we see a myriad amount of images and symbols which are designed to help us to understand what would be otherwise an indescribable uh, bunch of spiritual events. John wasn't trying to give us simply a mathematical chart of the future. He was trying to emphasize, as the Lord directed him, as was what he saw, uh, John was trying to emphasize this truth. And I want to relate it to you now because it's probably one of the most important truths that you and I need to hear. Knowing and understanding and having a revelation of this truth will either make you or break you in terms of the intense and the intense and unprecedented spiritual warfare that you and I and all of planet Earth is engaged in right now. Now, John talks about, in the book of Revelation, uh, that the word throne, like throne room of God, where Jesus sat on the throne, and so on and so forth, the, the term or the word throne is used 45 times to emphasize that God is ruling over human history and is using all the forces of evil, all the consequences of sin, and even the suffering of his saints to accomplish his final and complete victory over the enemy, who is Satan, or the dragon. So the dragon, the enemy, or Satan, despite his aggressiveness, is, to use that expression, God has Satan on a leash, like like having a leash on a dog. Satan may growl and bark, and he, he can do a limited number of horrible things, but he is ultimately under the control of God as to how far and how fast he can go. So let's never forget that God Almighty, who sits on the throne room of the universe, has the devil, Satan, the dragon, or Lucifer on a tight, firm leash. And the purpose of that truth is so that we have our minds reframed as to what's really going on. Now, this dragon, this serpent of old, Satan, is maniacally desperate in his attempt to block the purposes of the biblical God, which is the true God, and he uses his limited power and authority in order to to deceive and encourage people from God's purposes. So the resistance that you experience when you're trying to share the gospel or minister to somebody, the blowback that you sometimes experience when you've been ministering, and, and, and all of a sudden all hell seems to break loose and come against you, the, the resistance in the work environment, in the social environment, the political environment, all of that stuff is being generated by Satan, and its, in, its primary purpose is to target believers in Jesus Christ, and the devil uses all of these adversarial things in order to deceive and discourage people from God's purposes. So if you overwhelm somebody, even a believer, if you overwhelm somebody with a constant barrage of spiritual warfare attacks, Satan's goal is to wear you down, and you need to remember that. 
Okay, you are not just a civilian on a picnic like most Christian churches in America. They they act like, you know, we're we're on a big picnic here on planet Earth. I'm not saying there isn't times for rejoicing and celebration. Of course there is. But 24/7 we're not supposed to have the mentality that we're on a picnic, you know, lollygagging in, in some nice park. We're not on a picnic. I mean, you should realize that by now. Look at look at the state of affairs on planet Earth at this moment. We have we have people trillionaires openly strutting around the planet, flying in their private jumbo jumbo jets, buying up entire islands, building massive luxury deep underground bunkers so they can bring their families and and the high level people of planet Earth. They will be safe and secure in these luxury bunkers. That, that stretch out for miles and contain things like artificial lakes and artificial forests and uh, the finest of foods and music. They have created a, a kind of wonderland deep under the earth, which are called dumps by the military. And dumps stands for deep underground, deep underground military bunkers, dumps. And they create, created hiding places for themselves because they know what is about to come on the earth, but so does God. And so we need to recognize that we are not on a picnic, but you and I are soldiers in Jesus Christ, and we are in the spiritual army of the living God. And the living God has not deserted us, but the living God, who is the supreme being, is directing, guiding, healing, saving, providing for us, to the degree, to the degree that we cry out to him and fix our hearts and minds upon him in prayer, whether we feel like it moment by moment or not. Many times in the Christian life, because you're constantly being buffeted by the attacks of the evil one and the antichrist nature of our society, we become in the flesh or our own human strength. We can be weary and drained down. So if we're weary and drained down, we simply stand our ground. And if all we have left of us in terms of energy is a mustard seed of faith, we then use that mustard seed of faith. We call upon God. We admit to God that we can't do anything without his power. And then we repent of our unbelief in the promises and the authority of God's word. And then we come boldly to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, which means that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin, and therefore we're entitled legally to come into the throne room of God to seek an ever-present help in time of trouble. So we stand our ground and we cry out to God, and we ask God to fill us with power from high, or the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God. In other words, we're not going to make it if we're doing this on our own strength. We're going to get taken down. We need the supernatural power of God. And the Church of Jesus Christ in America and around the world needs the supernatural power of God more than it has ever needed it in the history of the world. Because, once again, we're in the last days. Now, the last days, I'm not giving you a specific date, but we're in that chronological period known as the last days. So, John gives us a vision, a depiction of what is coming in the future and some of the powerful realities of the future. 
The book of Revelation reveals to us, believers in Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation reveals that Jesus Christ is the all-knowing, omnipotent, all-seeing, all-powerful Lamb of God who has already defeated Satan through the cross. And Jesus Christ is right now, at this nanosecond, watching over, protecting, disciplining, and challenging believers in Jesus Christ to, to become mature and victorious. He, he doesn't do things to hurt us, to be punitive, because he's on an ego trip. If he disciplines us, it is to make us stronger and more victorious, so that we can be overcomers and victorious in the last days. And then in the book of Revelation, we are reminded over and over again that Jesus Christ is literally coming again to judge Satan and everybody who hooks up with Satan, the false prophet, the Antichrist, all those who have received the mark of the, de- of the beast, all those who have allowed their DNA to be corrupted by the fallen angels and are therefore no longer biblically human in the true sense of the word. And then John gives us a supernatural glimpse of, of the future so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be strengthened, and so that we will know that even as believers in Christ, that even in horrible circumstances or adverse circumstances, the Bible and the book of Revelation specifically tells us we have nothing to fear. And let me just make that real personal to you. You have nothing to fear if you're in Jesus Christ. I have nothing to fear if I'm in Jesus Christ. So when we receive the truth of God's word, which says that we have nothing to fear in Jesus Christ, that yoke of a spirit of fear should be broken and demolished off of us, and we should be set free from what the Bible describes as a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear has no ability or no legal right to externally oppress us. Now, the theme of the book of Revelation is that the Lord God omnipotent reigns and rules, and the day is coming when his faithful saints, that's you and I, when, when faith, faithful saints means we're not perfect saints. None of us are perfect saints. But through the blood of Jesus and our faith in Jesus Christ, we are faithful saints. And faithful saints are accepted by God into eternity to live with him forever and ever in paradise. So the day is coming faster than you think when all of God's faithful saints will rule and reign with him. Now, when we hear the fact that we are going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ, we have to remember that's how God originally created. That was God's original purpose for men and women, beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were created by God and placed in the Garden of Eden. They were placed on planet Earth while it was still a perfect paradise, and Adam and Eve were given the supernatural authority by God to rule and reign over planet Earth, which was paradise. So that is recorded in the book of Revelation. Now, thousands and thousands of years have passed by, and we read the book of Revelation, and we're reminded again that in the last days, when they finally culminate, 
you and I and all those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, who have become born again because they've invited Christ into their life and put their faith in Jesus Christ, all of those people who are born again, they are going to be given once again the spiritual authority to rule and reign with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And they will take part in a massive invasion of planet Earth that will occur at the second coming of Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ returns to Earth as he promised and fought, riding a white horse. And there will be massive numbers of believers in Jesus Christ following Jesus Christ, riding uh, white horses. And they are the armies of heaven. And Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven are going to descend on planet Earth. They're going to descend into the Valley of Megiddo, which is where the final war of Armageddon will take place. And in demonic rage and in demonic deception, all hell will break loose against the armies of heaven and the Lamb that sits upon the throne. All the nations of the earth will attempt to stop him. The mighty men of the earth will attempt to stop him. Their technology, their wizardry, their sorcery, their, their dark arts, their, their black physics will all be employed to attempt to stop Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ will not be defeated, and he will crush his opponents and send Satan, Lucifer, and all those that followed Satan. He will send them into the lake of fire, God's supermax prison that is located in another dimension so that they cannot defile God's creation once again. We're going to dig deeper and expose what this truth, this powerful truth, means for your life. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. And if you would, I'm asking you to make sure you join, that you actually join our social media, like our Rumble channel, like our Brighteon channel. All our channels are at paulmcguire.us, our podcasting channel. It channels. It's essential that you join them because that way you give us the, the muscle we need to break the artificial rigging system, which does exist. It's existed for a long time now. And the rigging system targets the most effective communicators and exposers of the spiritual darkness all around us. And the rigging system uses artificial intelligence to demonize, to suppress, to alter the truthful results of the search engines, and essentially the rigging system is a secret weaponized technology for, of, so, of total social control, which is just another way of saying total social dom, uh, domination, which is just another way of saying a dictatorship, a totalitarian regime, or a uh, slave state. And if you want to see examples of that in other nations, Look at any hardcore communist state like communist China. They rule largely by dominating a social credit system. But the people are brainwashed into believing that the social credit system is something that's good for them. No, it isn't. The social credit system, listen to me very carefully, the social credit system is disguised as a smiling, happy face. But in truth and reality, the social credit system is a stealth mechanism. It, it is literal digital chains, digital handcuffs, digital prisons to confine, oppress, and destroy people who won't go along with the dictatorship. And wake up and remember the fact that in these 
communist, humanistic dictatorships. There is the total purging and hatred for Jesus Christ, the Bible, Jesus Christ as Savior, and every one of these humanistic systems of oppression that uses technology to oppress their people. These are Antichrist states, and they war against the true God day and night. And we need to know that. But look, when you blow the whistle on this, like I do and others do, I'm telling you this, all hell comes against you. You have a choice. You can retreat, or you can adopt the, the proverbial expression, no retreat, no surrender. Jesus is Lord. This is the Paul McGuire report. Wherever you are on whatever continent, in whatever nation, we get emails, texts, book orders, and all this stuff from literally all over the world. And nations that you would never in a million years think. There are people in nations that you would never imagine in a million years who are contacting us, I suppose at great risk, from hardcore communist dictatorship nations. They contact us and they want information. They want books. They want uh, truth. And we want to spread truth to every continent, dictatorship or not. But we can't do this. We can't win this war all by ourselves. So I'm asking you to make a choice today and to choose, as God directs you, to stand with us in communicating the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. This is Paul McGuire. You can do that safely and securely at paulmcguire.us. Okay, I've got the book of Revelation in my hands in the radio studio, which we're, we're doing upgrades right now. And by the way, pray for us. I mean, all hell's breaking loose. I can't tell you how many computers we have. We have a lot of computers. And you know how many are working? Like half of one. Why? Because we get attacked. And there are other technologies that we use that, that you know, they're, they're being, <laughs> they're being there's, there's a word for it, but I'm not going to say it. They're being rigged with, let's put it that way. And uh, because somebody doesn't want, some buddies do not want us to say what we're saying. You know why? You want to know the truth of why? Because it's not how many people you blab to. It's not many how, how many hours you blab. It's how much potent true truth are you delivering. And if you're delivering true truth that packs a wallop, these people know who you are because they've been tracking you for years. And so they have an arsenal of digital weapons that they use to attempt to shut you up and block you and suppress you and demonize you and cut off your communications. But like I said before, no retreat, no, re no surrender. Okay, as I'm reading the Word of God here, I have to tell you that uh, merely reading the Word of God and, and speaking it out loud to you in, in, an, in an effort to teach it to you and to apply it to you, even if you're well-versed in the book of Revelation, to teach you how to apply the Word of God. What, what has happened to me since I started recording this program you're listening to right now is I sense an overwhelming quickening of the Holy Spirit in my inner man and my inner being which is another way of saying, I feel a distinct, supernatural, energizing force that has entered my body, soul, mind, and spirit. 
and I feel what can only be described as supernatural energy. And I have to think that a lot of that must have to do with the fact that so many of you have been faithful to pray for me, the ministry, and everybody's associated with this ministry. So I thank you for your prayers. And I feel the supernatural energizing of the Holy Spirit. Now, this should not be something unique or weird for the ordinary Christian. It's something that Jesus Christ said that we have to have in order to be victorious, in order to win souls, in order to make disciples of all nations, in order to ignite revival, and in order to marshal and generate the unending amount of energy needed to withstand the wiles of the devil and to generate the unending amount of energy needed to destroy the works of the devil. You have to rely on power from on high. Let me give you an example regarding power from on high or being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether it comes to the challenges and the battles of your own personal life or people around you, or whether it has to do with the larger, larger spiritual battles that are taking place in states or nations or even planet Earth itself, the only way to be victorious and the only way you can summon the sustaining power of God is by putting your faith in God's promise to fill you and clothe you with power from on high, which is exactly what Jesus Christ told his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And before he ascended into heaven, one of the last things Jesus Christ said is that he was going to return again. And then the two angels who were witnessing Jesus Christ talking to his disciples about ascending into heaven, they told the disciples that this same Jesus that you see ascending into heaven supernaturally will return in a similar manner. The idea is that Jesus Christ supernaturally ascended into heaven, but he's going to return supernaturally to come and defeat the devil once and for all, and to deliver his people once and for all. So, whatever whatever kind of spiritual battle is, whether it's a small one, relatively speaking, or it's a nation battle, or whether it's a global battle, none of these battles, you will not be able to win them unless you come to the place where you're willing to put your faith in God, you're willing to pray to God, you're willing to call out to God in prayer for help. And then when you do that, you will discover that God will begin to faithfully infuse you with power from on high. And so power from on high is not something that is quantified or measured by hyper-emotionalism. I mean, you could have emotions, but the, but the distinguishing factor is not emotionalism, hyper-emotionalism, aberrant behavior, jumping up and down and stuff. You know, I'm not knocking uh, um, outward expressions of passion and enthusiasm, but so often the church has made passion and enthusiasm and jumping up and down and stuff like that. That becomes the central focus. Once again, I would say to you, we're not on a picnic. We're not on a picnic. We're in a raging spiritual war. Now, that may bother you, but whether it bothers you or not is irrelevant. The only question is, 
Is it true? And of course it's true. The Bible says that it's true. So we discover when you read the book of Revelation that the secret of the apostles, the secret of the early followers of Jesus Christ, and why they spread, and why eventually the the powerful spiritual impact of the early Christians was so mighty that it brought down the spiritual and authoritative power of the entire Roman Empire, which at that time was the most powerful empire in the world. The Roman Empire, under the rulership of Constantine, literally buckled its knees in submission to the dunamis dynamite power of God that was flowing through the early followers of Jesus Christ. And revival spread. Revival spread all over Rome, and eventually so many people got saved, so many people were born again, so many people's lives were impacted by Jesus Christ, that Constantine, being a a emperor as well as a crafty politician, he could see which way the wind was blowing, and he recognized that he would not, even though he was the, 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 the Caesar, even though he was the absolute ruler of Rome, he still needed the support of the people of Rome to consolidate and to maintain his power. And so Constantine recognized that Rome had changed. Rome was not, Rome was no longer a completely pagan, idol-worshipping, immoral, godless nation. The, the early followers of Jesus Christ, because they were walking in the power of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, they had impacted the Roman Empire so profoundly that there was a massive percentage, a massive percentage, of believing Christians who now populated Rome, and the demographics of Rome had changed. There were now millions of Christians, millions of people who were born again. And Constantine knew he couldn't rule and demand the acceptance of pagan rituals and pagan worship anymore. So what he did, like a politician normally does, he he tried to appease simultaneously the millions of new Christians and at the same time uh, retain the support of millions of pagan or, let's say, godless uh, people in Rome, so he had to he had to placate he had to pacify the various different camps inside Rome, and in the process of doing that, the early Christians um, not only conquered Rome spiritually, the early Christians impacted Rome with such intensity that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the Bible spread. The Roman Empire was massive in size. And so via the Roman Empire, via the transportation routes of the Roman Empire, the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread by the early Christians to nations all over the earth. And they too experienced paradigm shifts in the number of Christians, the number of Christian believers who were now rising up in their nations. So when you look at, for example, you go into a museum, or you look at a book of uh, ancient Roman statues, or paintings, or 
Uh, same thing with Greece and, and other empires after the early Christians had impacted them. You will see a very radical change in the content and the symbols and the, the artwork uh, in these various nations. You will see Jesus Christ. You will see the disciples. You will see the virgin birth. So they were impacted by these early Christians. Now, here we are in America, and we have groups of people who have managed to climb to ridiculously high positions of power, who have been financed literally by a secretive globalist elite whose whose beliefs would be that of a Luciferian elite. And these people represent only 1% of the global population. And they are full steam ahead in the process of rebooting the United States and planet Earth via an artificially manufactured or a technologically manufactured or a scientifically manufactured Great Reset. But they have asserted themselves in the spirit of Antichrist. And so a huge percentage of their agenda, a huge percentage of their goals and their endgame would be that of Lucifer's endgame, Lucifer's goals. And they are using the most advanced technologies and sciences available, and they are attempting to illicitly rule the world and conquer the world and take domination of the world. And the way that you can see this expressed before your, your eyes, if you look at the data, if you, if you read, my books talk all about the specifics of these things, what you see is they have belief systems that represent deep spiritual deception. And not only do they represent deep spiritual deception, but they represent um, uh, a demonic and a satanic agenda that attack that these agendas, these satanic agendas that are being implemented by the Luciferian elite, they leave evidence of these things everywhere. So, for example, we have, we're in the middle of a biological war on a global level. We're in the middle of a biological revolution on a global level. We have the emergence of new occultic religions. And let me give you an example of a new occultic religion. That would be the occultic religion of um, transhumanism, which is using advanced scientific technology, genetic engineering, biology, and other sciences and technology. By using these advanced scientific technologies, they are attempting to transform man into God or gods via man's own technology, which is a fulfillment of the lust of Lucifer that started in the Garden of Eden, where he seduced Adam and Eve by promising them that God said they would become gods if they ate of the forbidden fruit in the middle of the Garden of Eden. But that, of course, as we know, was a great lie, which caused the fall of mankind. But they are seeking, they are dead set on seeking immortality, a great reset, 
and they fully believe that they can, through technology and science, we build themselves into gods or supermen and women or godmen and women. And it's a very dangerous and godless and antichrist belief system. Yet this globalist elite are using countless trillions of money to manipulate many things in our society. So they, one of the things that they believe in, which we've discussed a lot in the Paul McGuire Report, and I explain further in my books at paulmcguire.us, they believe in Malthusian philosophy, which was developed by an English philosopher named Malthu in the 1800s. And Malthusian philosophy essentially says that man's number one problems, number one problem is excessive population growth. So the only way that we can make planet Earth sustainable, the only way we can continue to survive as the human race is we must radically reduce the Earth's population immediately by 7 billion people, which would leave us with 500 million people alive. Now, this is not some mythological uh, uh, statement I'm giving you. This is something they have written down that they've openly discussed for decade after decade after decade. And so we live in a time when you're looking at a lot of strange things happening. But if you were to dig deeper into the nature of these strange things, you would discover that these so-called plagues and pandemics and diseases and stuff, that they wrote about that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, and how they would use... Um, biological plagues and and diseases, man-made biological plagues and diseases, to wipe out immediately seven billion people and and essentially leave at best five hundred people five hundred million people would be the new uh, population number for planet Earth. Now you have to understand that when you read their own writings in their own words, which I quote to you, by the way, I took the time to quote them for you in my books, like Power from on High, like The Greatest Battle, like A Prophecy of the Future of America, and the other books. I quote these men, where they openly state that they're going to accomplish this radical population agenda by any means necessary. And they propose, their intellectual leaders, and the, the big shots of the globalist movement openly write down and propose that they're going to use everything from nuclear wars, World War III, mass droughts, mass disease outbreaks, mass starvation, and essentially coordinate the mass killing off of billions of people from planet Earth in the fastest amount of time possible. And their public due date for accomplishing all this, according to the United Nations, which is a globalist machine, they want to accomplish this by the year 2030. And they're doing it under the lie or the pretense of climate change. So that's the world that you live in. Now, as, as a true biblical Christian, as somebody who claims to love Jesus Christ, as somebody who claims to love the Lord, you have only one option. You cannot be a true Christian and be silent and look the other way and be indifferent in the face of a global mass slaughter. Now, you can, 
but then you're not a real Christian. You're a pretender. You're a counterfeit Christian. You're a Christian in name only, because you're not doing what Jesus Christ commanded you to do, which is to be salt and light, to, to engage in spiritual warfare, to stand for the truth. Here in America, here in America, the Lord has warned us for decades, and for decades, the largest percentage of the church has ignored the warnings of God concerning his wrath and judgment if we do not turn from our wicked ways, if we don't turn this ship around, if we don't stand for truth and righteousness, the word of God, and we don't stand for the things of God. So you and I and the Church of Jesus Christ, we're in this brief, let's call it a bubble. We're in this a brief bubble in time, a bubble in time where there's we're experiencing a momentary micropause. And nobody knows how long this momentary bubble or micropause will last. It could literally end tonight or tomorrow morning. There is nothing to stop the micropause or microbubble from ending immediately, because we're hanging by a thread. And so at any moment, everything, all the potential scenarios, all the dangers and, and the interlocking nature of the potential scenarios and dangers, they're like ready. And in a moment's notice, or perhaps with no notice at all, there are any number of what scientists call mass extinction level events that could plunge us into a literally a nightmare world. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to frighten you. That's not the purpose of this. I'm trying to awaken you to the fact that if you read the book of Revelation and other books in the Bible, you see that God has a call in every age. God has had a call on his people. God has had a mission for his people, both as individuals and, and both as a group, the body of Christ. God has had a call on his people in every generation. And in every generation, God's people are faced with the choice of whether or not they're going to do what God says or whether or not they're going to obey the call of God, rise in the power of the Holy Spirit, and take a stand in spiritual warfare, and by faith call upon God to send his power into our nation, into our communities, into America from coast to coast. Look, this is what we need and nothing less. We need God Almighty to give us mercy because we deserve judgment. I don't think any of you would disagree with that. Our sins have piled themselves up to heaven, like the sins that occurred in uh, ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. God knew from his throne room in, uh, throne room in heaven of the evil, of, of the satanic nature, of ancient Babylon. And even though the people of ancient Babylon functioned as one and functioned in unity, their goals, their purposes were entirely Luciferian. And so when God came down to check out what was really going on in ancient Babylon, although he didn't really have to do that, he already knew what was going on, he saw into the hearts of the people of ancient Babylon, 
and how depraved and how evil that they had become, and what was going to become of God's creation, the earth, and, and God's creation, mankind. What would become of, of the earth and of mankind if the people of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel began to succeed and accomplish their end game goal? Which, by the way, is the exact same end game goal that the globalist elite, the Luciferian elite, and the great reset people have today. The goal or end game of the globalist elite is the exact same goal and end game of the people of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. And so God came down there and he checked it out and he was displeased. And so God. These are one of these monumental moments in human history. We, by the way, have entered another monumental moment or a monumental age in human history. We're not, we're not closing up on it. We're in it. And so, going back to ancient Babylon, God had to judge it to stop the spread of wickedness. And what's interesting is something that a lot of Bible teachers and contemporary Christians don't like to teach on but it happens to be one of the most potent and vital truths in the book of Genesis concerning ancient Babylon, which was built by Nimrod, who was a type of Satan. Now, in addition to all the futuristic technology that ancient Babylon had, there were things that the people and the rulers of ancient Babylon, or, or mystery Babylon, had that were highly advanced and highly futuristic in their technology and their sciences. They were capable of doing things that that modern man has just begun to rediscover in the last 50 or 60 years. So let me just give you one example of what they were really about, what they were really doing in ancient Babylon. First of all, ancient Babylon, they built a technological device known as the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was far more than just a massively huge pyramidical shaped, and pyramidical shape in architectural terms means ziggurat. It was more than a ziggurat or a pyramid-shaped building that, that was built into a high elevation that reached into the sky. It was far more than that. The Tower of Babel in ancient Babylon, the words Babel or Babel and Babylon come from the words that would mean portal or interdimensional doorway or portal or gates, like in supernatural gates, gates that can open to allow entities to come in from another dimension or gates that can be shut to prevent entities from another dimension from coming in. They were building these supernaturally enhanced structures. And why were they doing that? Because under the direction of Nimrod, they built the Tower of Babel to generate interdimensional portals, interdimensional doors, uh, interdimensional gateways so that demonic beings, fallen angels, demonic entities 
principalities and powers could come or move out of the spiritual realm into the physical earth realm. And what allowed these demonic entities, these demons, these these uh, fallen angels to transport from one dimension known as the spiritual world or invisible world, what allowed these demonic beings to move through one dimension into our present Earth Day dimension via the portals, the doorways, or the gateways, which is which are the root words from which the term Babylon or Babel comes from. What allowed that to happen was that the technology of the Tower of Babel created and generated open doors into the invisible realm portals or gateways that allowed demons and demonic entities and demonic information and data and knowledge to flow out of one dimension into another dimension. That was the critical thing. Because once this evil race in Babylon began to harness this science fiction-like technology and, and sciences, once they began to do that, God said in his own word, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing will be impossible for them. In other words, they will then be capable of doing the impossible. They won't have any boundaries on them. They won't have any restrictions. And they will be able to literally dominate Earth, dominate every person on Earth beyond our wildest imagination. And this is the target point that God was after. When God judged ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, God being omniscient, knowing all things, he knew, God knew what he had to judge first. He had to block, he had to shut down, he had to eradicate the interdimensional porter, portals, the doorways, the gates, the doors in and to other dimensions, because God had to stop the flow of demonic intelligence, demonic information, demonic technology, and demonic beings who, serving Lucifer, wanted to control and dominate planet Earth. After all, that's why they created one language, and that's why they operated in such a high level of unity, so that nothing, and God said, because the reason they did all these things was so that nothing they proposed or planned to do um, could be stopped. They were unstoppable, and so God judged them by confusing their language. Once he confused their language, he scattered them to all the nations of the earth, and so, in effect, God judged Babylon by destroying it, by wiping it out, and when he did that, he shut the doors of all, he shut all these interdimensional doorways and gates and uh, pathways from one dimension to another. It had to be sealed up and destroyed to protect his creation, mankind. So here we are, thousands of years later, and it is not an accident that the book of Revelation and other chapters in the Bible take us right back to what happened in ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. It is not an accident. History is repeating itself, and you and I are living right smack in the middle of that perilous, perilous time. The important thing to understand is God is trying to communicate to his people, to his church right now, absolutely essential supernatural wisdom, 
knowledge, power, and gifting as never before because of where we are in the end times chronological timetable. So, ancient Babylon and the Tower of Babel is destroyed by God. Now we move thousands of years into the future. I believe that future is right now in the time period we're living. And, for example, you go to Revelation 18, and starting in verse 1, it says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So we see that Babylon the Great, the great harlot, is this satanic global world system. It's a supernatural spiritual system. And it is being judged in the book of Revelation. We see a depiction of Babylon the Great being judged. That's why it says Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then it continues. The point is that God is right now in the process of destroying Babylon the Great, despite the strutting around of the globalist elite and the Luciferian elite, who, by the way, are actively drawing their supernatural and demonic power from Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is a supernatural, spiritual, satanic energy system. The rulers, the temporary rulers of this world, are drawing their energy, their wisdom, their wealth, and their power from that system by entering into a contract with the devil, the Lucifer, or Satan. That is why it says, for all the nations, all the nations on planet Earth have drunk of the wine of her fornication. The wine is an intoxicating, in this, in this manner, the wine of Babylon is the wine of the world system. When you drink the wine of the world system, it's like crack or meth. It's like, it's like Breaking Bad, the episodic TV show, where these two guys um, are, are profiting by doing the work of Satan and killing all kinds of young youth and children by addicting them to crack and meth and, and similar super addictive drugs. That, that when, you, when you look at those cartels on a small level or a, a, a giant level, they are feeding off the energy of Mystery Babylon. And now nations can do the same thing. I was doing a research study report, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I discovered it was on human sex trafficking. And I discovered that the largest players, the largest participants in the world sex trafficking business of, of, of young children, of little boys and little girls and young adults, the, the, the largest players in global sex trafficking were the largest governments in the world. So in a clandestine and secretive manner, many of these evil empires on planet Earth are secretly financing and distributing 
and are involved in a deep way in the international child sex trafficking business and the selling and buying of little boys and little girls and men and women, making money by using them as sex slaves and then killing them off, addicting them to heroin and other things so that they can be controlled. But think about it, that the financiers, that the international networks, that the buying and selling and transporting of all these girls and young boys and stuff, it's all being done by giant governments, financed by giant governments because it brings in annually billions and billions of dollars and you don't have to report it on taxes or anything else. That is, my friends, an example of the horrific nature of Mystery Babylon. Now, while I was doing the same research, and these were from reputable government sources, reputable researchers, I discovered that the number one most profitable business on planet Earth right now is the drug trafficking industry. You know, meth, crack, coke, heroin, all kinds of stuff. That is the number one most profitable industry on planet Earth right now. That's Mystery Babylon right there. And the drug trafficking industry is also controlled by and financed and operated by the largest governments in the world. So at the present moment, the, the most profitable, the, the most powerful, the biggest business on planet Earth is drug trafficking. Followed by a close second, the second biggest uh, business on planet Earth is sex trafficking of women, children, young children, boys and girls, men and women. That is the second biggest business on planet Earth. So the two biggest businesses on planet Earth are drug trafficking, and the second one is sex trafficking. And due to the steady increase of sex trafficking as a global business empire, it will soon become, it will soon surpass uh, drug trafficking as the number one most powerful and lucrative business on planet Earth. Think about that. So when you read the book of Revelation, as you study this, and I explain this in detail in my book, uh, Power from on High, you recognize that the book of Revelation, that the great harlot, who is this temporary Luciferian system that rules the Earth, that the the control system of Mystery Babylon is the usage of things like magic, sorcery, and what is known as pharmakia, or drugs, and sex trafficking. All of these satanic systems are designed to oppress, addict, enslave, and destroy mankind. And the people who do the most evil get promoted, and they become the wealthy and, and the rich. So, for example, in Revelation 17, it says these words uh, in verse 18, And the woman, Mystery Babylon, who you saw is that great city, a spiritual city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. Why does it reign over the king of the earth? Because the kings of the earth and the mighty men draw their supernatural power and wealth, etc., from their illicit intercourse or oneness with Mystery Babylon. Okay, so you and I are living in a time period where God is going to strike down Mystery Babylon. But the armies of hell and the armies of God at this present moment are involved in an all-out supernatural spiritual war 
for the control of the hearts and minds of the people of planet Earth and for the control of planet Earth itself. We are in a time period known as the final showdown. And God's people, up until the time when God removes his people from planet Earth, and that that is not something that you can glibly presume to absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt. But God is preparing to come. He's going to end all this. There is going to be a spiritual massacre in the invisible realm. God is going to return like he said he would. Jesus Christ, who's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is going to return on a white horse, and with him, riding behind him, will be the massive armies of heaven. So the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is going to lead the armies of heaven, also riding white horses, to the final end point of this greatest battle for planet Earth, which will be the War of Armageddon where every nation on earth, because they're doing the devil's bidding, every nation on earth will attempt to strike back at the coming of Christ and the armies of heaven. They will fire nukes at the armies of heaven and Jesus Christ. They will use EMF weapons. They will use directed energy beam weapons at Jesus Christ and the armies of Jesus Christ returning to planet earth. The devil and all Satan's occult sorcery, technology, and science will be deployed in a last-ditch effort to retain control over planet Earth and to destroy the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords along with the armies of heaven. But it will not work because only Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so what will really happen at the culmination of Armageddon is the total destruction of the devil, the Antichrist, the false prophet, all those who have accepted the mark of the beast, all those who have uh, changed their DNA into non-human DNA, and all those who have chosen to worship the Antichrist instead of God, and all the nations who chose to attack Jesus Christ and worship the Antichrist, they are going to be not only utterly destroyed, but they will be sent into the lake of fire. Again, God's supermax prison in the invisible realm. They will be sent into the lake of fire for all eternity. Now, you and I, and every true member of the supernatural body of Christ, who is legitimately born again, whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, and who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, or the dunamis power of God, the dynamite dunamis power of God, or power from on high, it is that supernatural power infilling the church in this last day's battle. It's the infusing of the supernatural power of God in the last day's battle that will give you as an individual, it will give me as an individual, it will give us collectively as the supernatural body of Christ. It is the receiving of the infusion of the supernatural power of God, power from on high. It is that infusion of God's supernatural Holy Spirit which energizes his church, which energizes people with a supernatural intelligence, a supernatural energy that will literally overwhelm with unbelievable force the armies of darkness who will be pulverized with. Hammer, with hammers from heaven, obliterating every demonic technology, every demonic science, and every demonic militarization will be obliterated in the blast of God's wrath as the armies of heaven seek to take over and take back heaven and earth for all eternity. 
for God's people who will live forever and ever in heaven with a brand new glorified body. And God, through his blood, his sanctifying power, he will block out and create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And victory will finally materialize as every true believer in Jesus Christ will join Jesus to rule and reign planet Earth, and they will sit on thrones next to the throne of Jesus in heaven. They will rule and reign from the position of kings and queens, and they will rule and reign from their thrones, which are have their very name written on it. The same name that you have written in the Book of Life, which guarantees you eternal life, that same name, your name, or the new name God will give you, will be written on your specific throne located in the throne room of God. Now, your job and my job is to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit and to go forward victorious, knowing that God's people are unstoppable when they're filled with the dunamis dynamite power of God. So I ask you to join with me in this ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries, Paradise Mountain Church International. Make your decision to stand with Christ. Make your decision to be an intercessory prayer warrior, to finance, to donate and contribute to this ministry, to spread the word that we're spreading, to help us destroy the rigging system, which is a weapon being used against us. And as we stand together in the power of the Holy Spirit and in agreement to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be, and we are destined to be, an unstoppable force, even when hell is all around us. So it's on that note that I end today's edition of the Paul McGuire Report. And remember, Jesus Christ is Lord.